Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's feature is a medical double feature. Dr. Mordred and Dr. Strange, but not the one with Benedict Cumbersnatch. No, the one with 1970s porn stash. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So I pretty much discovered, like, the greatest thing ever this week. Okay. Which is uh, behind the times, because it's been out for a while. Um, anybody ever watched uh, Zach Morris's Trash? Zach Morris's Trash? No. Yeah. I know who Zach Morris is. It's never occurred to me to look up his trash. Uh, so it's a web series. Each episode's only like two minutes long. Where they basically recap plots from Say by the Bell episodes and just point out how Zach Morris is the worst sociopath on television ever. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It is fantastic. And he goes, so he's angry that he couldn't force her to have sex with him. So he <laughs> sets forward to destroy the lives of his friends in revenge. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that premise before, and it's... It's pretty true. Like bad. when they, when as soon as somebody points it out, you're like, "Oh yeah." But so are like a lot of '80s protagonists. They're horrible human beings if you actually like watch them. Uh, yeah, it's so fantastic. I seriously watched every episode in like an hour yesterday. I will look that up because that sounds funny. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, like the first uh, episode is about. Um, the one where Jesse got a new stepbrother and he was kind of an ass. Yeah, and he was only around for like an episode. Yeah, they they point out all that shit too in all the episodes. But it's about how uh, Zach Morris faked being Jewish so he could go to a baseball game and then got blackmailed by Jesse's new uh, stepbrother. So Zach then enacted like this the insane scheme to like get him kicked out of school which is convince uh lisa to go on a date with him and then uh to take uh of course principal building's car without him knowing it and then they would take a picture of him driving the car and thus getting in trouble but of course he let lisa drive home and when they took the picture the flash caused her to wreck the car and then they had to sell like fake uh raffle tickets to get enough money to fix the car and yeah it just like it shows just like step by step how he is like one of the worst human beings in the entire world well he's not a human being in the world <laughs> thank god but yeah he also had like possession of the 
time stone, so I guess you could freeze everything. <laughs> uh, that's very true. So, but he had a cell phone before they were cool, so it's all yeah. the giant brick of a cell phone he would just carry around with him. I don't even know how he carried that thing with it hurting his back, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, alright, so I figure what we would do is we'll do the show like usual, and then we'll do an Infinity War um, thing. And then I'll post that up on the Geek Nerdery feed, and then also on uh, our show's feed. Oh, okay. Sort of like what we did with Last Jedi. Is that what happened with Last Jedi? Yeah. I don't recall. So. <laughs> it, it wasn't last week, so... That's true. You still here now? Yeah. Right. He's he's, a, he's upset that you were bad-mouthing Zach Morris. I guess so. No, so, somebody sent me a piece of news. Supposedly the, the title for Avengers 4 just dropped. Oh, yeah? What is it? Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Oh, that's a dumb title. I think that's the title of a video game. Well, the weird thing is, is everybody's all excited about it, but... There actually is a Marvel event that was called Endgame, and it was stupid. Yeah. So I don't know. And it, can't, and it doesn't have anything to do with Thanos or the Infinity Stones. That would be. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if they just dropped that storyline now? <laughs> oh, oh, you guys thought we were going to go back and resolve that. No, no. <laughs> oh. Anyways, we have to be cautious not to say anything spoilery for the four people out there that haven't seen it yet. Yes, yeah, so uh, you will see in your feed there will be a separate uh, discussion topic of the Infinity War that will be spoilerific, so make sure you watch it before you go in. Yeah. Um, but we're keeping it separate for those who don't want to accidentally hear spoilers. Yeah. So be looking for that. Um, but in the meantime, Noah decided we should watch some... Uh, superhero-esque or at least comic book-esque uh, inspired movies. So, of course, uh, we picked the 1978 TV movie for Doctor Strange <laughs> and then the full moon rip-off movie Doctor Mordred. I love the way you use the term, of course. <laughs> you guys weren't expecting anything else, were you? <laughs> was, was that, of course, because of our podcast or, of course, because I picked the movies? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Where was the of course at? In my... <laughs> I think it was a little from column A and a little from column yeah. B there. Uh, and Noah, since I know you are a huge fan of this movie, why don't you tell us about 1978's Doctor Strange? Uh, well, 1978's Doctor Strange is basically very similar to the new Doctor Strange, except instead of being a surgeon, he's a psychologist and the bad guy is Morgan Le Fay. The end. Yeah. No, uh, no, but Morgan uh, played by played by the mom from Arrested Development, so that threw me off the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, and man, sometimes it's one of those things where you watch old movies and you forget things. I forgot she was a super hot lady back in the day. <laughs> I will not disagree with that statement. Yeah, she's so old now, and she used to be so sweet for smoking can, hot. Can you imagine that she was younger in 1978 than she is in 2018? That's well, so weird. She apparently does not possess the time stone. 
Y- younger and being super sexy are not necessarily equivalent. <laughs> uh, I think most people, if you if they're an adult and then you fast forward forty years, they probably are less sexy forty years after. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like the I'm majority. Gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say Elizabeth Hurley defies that explanation. Okay. Right. I was gonna say Elvira's getting way up there, and she's still smoking hot. All right. Let's get you guys' old lady fetishes out of the way and then we can talk about movies. I'm not saying it's my preference. I'm just saying I don't have a preference. All right. All right. Continue on so, with the synopsis. Okay. Uh, Dr. Stephen Strange is a psychiatrist uh, working at a hospital. Ridiculous. It starts off with the, uh, oh, what's his name? Lieberman is the current Sorcerer Supreme. He is seeking out his replacement, who is going to be the guy wearing the ring, which he already knows is Stephen Strange, but they don't just state that for some damn reason. Uh, Meanwhile, the uh, evil one, who is most certainly not Dormammu, because they couldn't afford to say the name Dormammu, (laughs) even though he looks like Dormammu, talks like Dormammu, and has all of the same goals as Dormammu. But he's not Dormammu. Uh, sends Morgan Le Fay to attempt to kill the uh, current Sorcerer Supreme or Stephen Strange if it comes down to that. Uh, basically, Stephen, through the course of events, falls in with this lady who Morgan uses as a patsy in her attempt to kill the current Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, and his attempts to save her basically end up making him fall into the role of Sorcerer Supreme eventually. Which is interesting because he kept saying over and over again how a doctor is not supposed to date his patients. But, yeah, but, but then the attractive young one came in. <laughs> so that changed it all around. Uh, That's essentially what happened in this movie. It was like He's like, I have too much. I could not possibly date one of my patients except maybe that one over there. <laughs> Doctor Strange, of course, in this movie is played by Peter Hooten's amazing mustache. <laughs> I have a question because I don't know you're the comic book guy around here, but do you have to have that mustache to become Sorcerer Supreme? Because they have one guy with a giant mustache passing the power on to another guy with a giant mustache, and I just kept help wondering if that's how they picked him. I'm attempting to go through the list of people that I know that have been Sorcerer Supreme, and they all have a sweet mustache. <laughs> I believe so, Loki. No, I believe so. Loki was Sorcerer Supreme for a quick spell. Yeah, and so was Punisher. Although that doesn't count because that was just really bad writing. <laughs> I do not feel Punisher would fit that role, but yeah, no, he didn't. It it was a weird fucking decision made by an idiot. <laughs> All right, but in this movie, I guess I guess like if we're going to talk about it, did anybody else think that? Dr. Stephen Strange was a weird kind of guy to try to make a hero out of. Like, he's just this doctor who's always late for work because he's busy banging the nurses. I I was going to say, he's a porn star. Pretty much. Yes. The first part of this movie, all of our introduction to Stephen Strange, could have been the start of a 70s porn if it had just turned a little differently. When If that drunk lady that came in and he's like, I'll give you a bed for the night, if she'd been a hot chick, then this would have been porn, not a made-for-TV <laughs> superhero movie. Yeah, if they, put, if they put any more crushed velvet on Stephen Strange in this movie, he would have transformed into Prince. <laughs> 
Nice. Yeah, it's they try to make him sexy Stephen Strange. Because uh, even at points, like, Morgan Le Fay, like, can't... She can't resist his sexiness, so she has to send other people to, like, there's, yeah, there's, him. We'll get into some of the problems I had with the plot of this film, but one major plot point is that the villain cannot kill Stephen Strange because he's just too good-looking. <laughs> and she literally, like, reports that back to the evil being. She's like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't kill him because he's too good-looking. Listen, all she was looking for was a little strange. Eh? All right. And Doug? How dare you? You're fired from the show. <laughs> but in all seriousness, and moving away from that joke as quickly as possible, <laughs> there's a major problem in this movie where like every plot point is nonsensical. Like it, it, the whole thing with it, the whole thing has to take place over three days. There's no reason given for that. They're like, we must kill this guy within three days. No reason stated. We there's only have three a, there's days. There's an alignment of the things. No, there, there's nothing clear enough that it made sense to me, and I pay more attention to movies than most people. <laughs> it's like a, and then it turns like the other guy's like, we have three days to save this, to save Stephen Strange. It's like, well, you only are making that up because the other person said three days and they didn't say it in your presence, and you don't give us any dialogue to explain how you know. <laughs> yeah it's it's like the whole movie is like that it's like everything is just well this is what we need to have happen so we need some tension so let's make it take three days they only have three days okay good we need this guy to seem kind of swarmy so let's just have him be banging everybody at the hospital <laughs> it's just weird like that yeah I'm not going to say I loved this movie like the movie was alright I guess but the biggest thing it suffers from is being a television movie in the 70s. Well, yeah, and you have to give it, in, not not just was it a TV movie, this was a pilot for a TV yeah. show that they were yeah. attempting to launch. So you and, gotta, like, you have to grade it through some lenses. Yeah, and that I would say the biggest problem with it is that it is clearly designed as a pilot. So mm. the problem with that is you watch like an hour and a half of movie and then when the climax is supposed to happen, he's just like, I will become the Sorcerer Supreme. And they're like, good for you, buddy. Can't wait till next week when you actually do something. And that's it. There is no real finality to the movie at all. And mm. it's for me, it's like, okay, some of the stuff's fun to watch with him like at the hospital, even though it's nonsensical, but it's fun. And then the stuff with him becoming Sorcerer Supreme is kind of drawn out, but whatever. And then at the end, I'm like, but we're going to get like, He's gonna kill this chick or whatever, and we're gonna get something, and then we really don't. Like it's just set up for a show that never happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the bummer. It's uh, because like you said, it, it, the whole thing just builds up to him at the end, sort of accepting that he's going to be Sorcerer Supreme. So we don't really get to see him do a lot. Yeah. And getting his new sweet outfit, which has the wrong symbol on the front. Yeah, it's actually it's uh, based <laughs> off of the original Captain Marvel's costume. I know, which is funny. Really? Yeah, I, did, uh, I didn't. I knew it was wrong. I didn't know it was like so far wrong that it was accidentally right for something else. Well, no, it wasn't accidental. 
if, oh. if I understand correctly, the TV people did not like his outfit in the comic books mm -hmm. and basically said, we want this other thing. And they're like, well, that's a different person. They're like, well, we don't care. Yeah. There's something about like the devil, the demon head or something on his. Yeah. There's skin. like a cult. They didn't like the occult symbolism. Yeah. I, I love the fact that they're making like TV studios are awesome. They're making a Dr. Strange movie, but we don't want occult symbolism. in it. Well, <laughs> maybe you picked the wrong character to adapt then as you're trying to just recreate the success of your David Banner show. I, I also heard a rumor that supposedly, supposedly that's also the reason why they never called the demon Dormammu is because mm. they didn't want them to actually name the demon because that was evil. The de having the demon's okay. Naming the demon, that's the name. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like when farmers don't name their cows because it makes them easier to eat. I don't know what to tell you. Well, we were moving into the satanic panic, so I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. Yeah. No, and keep in mind, like, we live in 2018 now. In 2018, people read a comic and they go, I want to see this on the big screen. Back then, it was more like this should inspire something totally different that happens on TV, right? Like, I don't think there was ever a series of Incredible Hulk uh, comics where he just traveled town to town and got into a different adventure every episode. That's not how they worked, right? But that's what worked on television yeah. at the time, so that's what they turned the Hulk into. And he would only turn into the Hulk to, like, fight a bear or <laughs> stop bank robbers? Occasionally, he had to throw a guy off a bridge into some water, which is how you end a fight in the 80s. Yeah. Taking a, a brief sidetrack into the cast of the movie, uh, just because I know this would excite Brian. Did you recognize Clea? Uh, which one was Clea? The girl he kept saving? Yeah. Uh, I did not. That's strange because she's Dory from Sledgehammer. Oh my god. I haven't watched Sledgehammer in so long even though I have the first two seasons on DVD. <laughs> uh, I, I just know you have a never-ending love for Sledgehammer. I do. I do. It's very much a nostalgic thing. Uh, also, Wong in this film is played by, uh, uh, I never say his last name right, Clyde Kusatsu? Is that how you say it? Kusatsu? I don't know. Also, I, I, also I know known, I'm not going to try. <laughs> also known as Asian Dad in every movie. <laughs> Let's say he looked familiar, but I couldn't pin down what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Asian, Asian Dad in every movie. That's that's who he is. He's been in a billion things. That's, that's good. I was like, that guy looks like the Asian guy from every other movie. But then I'm like, maybe I'm just racist and I shouldn't say that. But you're yeah, telling me yeah. I was actually correct. Yeah, no, no, you're actually right in this specific instance. <laughs> I, I will say I found that portrayal of character, like knowing a little bit more about it in the meta world where I've seen that character portrayed elsewhere, it really did feel like a master-slave type situation that he was in. And they probably should have written that dialogue a little better so that it didn't seem so much like he was just an indentured servant to the Sorcerer Supreme. And and kind I, of... think, I think one of the weird things, too, is if I remember correctly, and I could, I could be totally wrong because this is a fact that is really blurry in my memory, but I think they used a voiceover actor to do his voice. He does not have an accent. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, he speaks English as well as anybody on the planet. So why did they voice him over? <laughs> like they needed him to be just a little wider. You 
I don't know what to tell you. Ah, the seventies. Yeah, it was a, it was a different time, and you have to factor that into your analysis of these movies. But at the end of the day, that you can't forgive it. Stuff like that either. It's like that is a bit ridiculous. That's a ridiculous decision to make. Oh, Clea was also in Prom Night. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you guys notice the the cribbed scene from the movie? No. That they used in the new Doctor Strange. No. No. Yeah. Where, where he says we begin now, and then all of a sudden he's flying down the crazy tunnel of like, oh yeah, lights. And yeah, you're right. And that, like, I have to say, like, when that moment happened, I was like, this is fucking cool. This is why people are still talking about this movie 40 years later. It's because it's like being on acid without having to take acid. <laughs> you're just like this oh, weird yeah. psychedelic tunnel that we fly through as, a, as an audience for several minutes. It's like, it's, it was great. I just wish it had happened half an hour into the movie instead of like an hour in. And I, I'm assuming both of you watched the uh, the shitty scan print that's available online from ever so legal sources. I consider it legal because it was in the first page of Google results when I typed in Doctor Strange streaming. It's not our job to police yeah. daily motions uh, videos. So yeah. one bit of good news is they actually did release a better print when the new Doctor Strange movie came out. And, man, it improves it so much because that, that old print is pretty... Especially in the dark parts of the movie, you can almost not tell what's going on. Yeah, but I, I can... Again, when you're watching an older thing and you have to find it through obscure means because it's not easily available, um, you, you just live with that. My, my problems with this movie are all plot-driven. They're not visuals. Visually, I thought the movie was fine because it wasn't... A, it looked like... A 1978 TV movie with some really cool scenes thrown in on top of that, which were better than I would have expected. Yeah, and I even think most of the acting is fairly competent. It it's TV acting, but yes, it's, it's 1978 TV acting. It's fine. It's again, that's a pretty low bar to set, <laughs> but not low compared to other things we've watched on this podcast. <laughs> A lot of people's biggest complaint is the Dormammu puppet. I fucking love the Dormammu puppet. <laughs> I have no problem with that puppet. I was down with that. Oh, yeah, so awesome. That's good. Like, all the visual effects in the movie, I think, are pretty well done for what they are. Like, there's, yeah. like, the glowing... TV movie. Yeah, the, yeah. like, the, the glowing thing when they're using their powers is pretty neat. The psychedelic tunnel of whatever is neat. Puppets are good. Even the costume looks pretty good for TV, even if it's not authentic. Uh, all that stuff's fine. Like I say, it's for me, it's more about the fact that this is an hour and a half leading up to nothing. That's where I have an issue, and I have an issue with a lot of the plot points just being, I don't know, forced in and not really relevant. And you could have used the time to maybe explain a little bit about what the Sorcerer Supreme does or what his powers are. And yeah. why, why does he only know how to use the Jedi Knight trick? Mind trick? It's just like, that seems to be the only power they go back to over and over again. Uh, I mean, he's set that thing on fire towards the end. Yeah, towards the end, there's a little bit. And I, like, I thought it was neat when uh, 
the old guy, the I forget the names, but the original Sorcerer Supreme, when he gets thrown off the bridge, and you see him there, and everybody thinks he's dead, and he kind of gets up and just walks away and uses his powers to heal himself. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. But now I wanted to call back to that later in the show, where I'm like, okay, we know he has that power. How are they going to use it later? And they really don't get back to it. And there was a lot of stuff like that, where I'm just like, a lot of this is... Everything at the hospital was just set up for the, you know, comedic relief scenes that were going to come in the series because it was just all about his boss. Not like every week he was going to come in and his boss is going to be like, you must have been just laying around doing nothing again. But the audience knows that he was out superheroing. So he would just like turn to the camera like Jim from the office and go, that's right, boss. I was just laying around at home and the whole crowd would laugh. Right. And so that like they were setting all that up and problem is it doesn't pay itself off in this movie it's all set up for something that never happened yeah so now i've been obsessed with uh Anne marie martin since noah pointed out she's from sledgehammer <laughs> okay <laughs> two weird things well i guess one weird thing and one sad thing her last her last acting job was on sledgehammer Oh, that's unfortunate. She has not been anything since 1988. Well, you got to figure if she did that show, like what was next? What scripts was she getting and how could they compare? <laughs> right? She's got to be getting those and going, I was on Sledgehammer. Take this back. I don't, don't offer me your Shakespearean roles. You fools. I can't come down from this high. <laughs> yeah, I love Sledgehammer too, Doug. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen Sledgehammer since it was on TV. <laughs> The interesting thing is she has one writing credit to her name and it's not something that I would think that she would be known for, but apparently she was co-writer on the movie Twister with Michael Crichton. All right. And that's her only writing credit. So So I feel like there's got to be some background information there that we just don't have. Yeah. Because her last acting job, 1988, she apparently wrote, co-wrote Twister in 1996 and that's the last thing she's done besides she's like locked in Michael Crichton's basement from <laughs> 88 to 96 uh, she sh- she showed up in the uh, uh, special features of the Sledgehammer DVDs oh well <laughs> and apparently was in a documentary as herself in called Tax Shelter Terrors Hmm. Weird. Oh, a look at how the Canadian government tax incentives helped develop Canada's horror and exploitation film industry. My God. Oh, yeah. I know know about that documentary. I haven't seen it. Well, to me, it just sounded like, oh, it's like some money thing. Maybe she got ripped off by Bernie Madoff or something, but oh, interesting. Well, now I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's, it's actually supposed to be a really good documentary. It delves into a lot of Cronenberg's early work and how he used Canadian taxpayer dollars to fund it. And there would be all these protests, right? Because people are like, I can't believe our taxpayer dollars are paying for these movies. And then Cronenberg's like, gets stuck in front of like a committee, like <laughs> the way that these people sometimes do. And he's like, yeah, we borrow the money and we're the only ones paying it back because this is the movies people actually want to see. So no taxpayer dollars actually went into my movies. You just loaned me the money and I gave it all back. So calm down. You're like, fuck. He's like, but hey, I got the girl from the uh, that fucking laundry detergent box in my next movie. And then they realize she's a porn star and the movie's about 
I don't know, her doing sexy stuff. More, uh, <laughs> more protests. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what did you overall? What did you think of this movie, Doug? Yeah. Overall, like I don't regret watching it, given that I watched it online for free. Mm-hmm. Um, like I couldn't necessarily recommend somebody else watch this. Like, yeah, there's a few good scenes, but there's a lot of time spent in between, which is pointless. And yeah. it's not great. Like, there's, I don't love the character Stephen Strange in this. I don't, I don't understand why they made him a psychiatrist. If you make him a surgeon, at least he's some kind of like a hero. But in this, it's just like he's arguing about whether to let drunk ladies sleep in the hospital beds or not. Like, that's, that's not amazing. great television. The fact that he's a psychiatrist makes the fact that he's uh, sleeping with lots of women even sleazier. <laughs> it really is because it's like, it, it, feels like because he's not even like it's not like the women are just throwing themselves out like he goes over to that like one girl's house and asks if he can take a bath and most people don't do that like you gotta be pretty sleazy to walk into somebody's apartment and ask them if you can have a hot bath and she's like well i'll give you a cold beer he's like fine like even the beer is a bold request like you go in and you go oh i'll have whatever you're having that's the polite thing to do in those circumstances (laughs) i don't know yeah overall this wasn't great it wasn't terrible. It was honestly probably better than I expected. Um, and I think that if it, if I had seen, you know, a season of the, the TV show and somebody said, did you know there's a movie that starts it off? I'd love watching this and getting caught up, but that's not the world we live in. The world we live in is this is all that exists. And it just seems very strange. And it, it is really weird that they would move away from the dark iconography. If you're going to make a doctor strange movie, then just don't make one. Make yeah. something else. Like, there's so many other characters out there that are probably more well known than Doctor Strange. Well, why are they mother? So arguably, I, I have some input on that. In the late '60s and early '70s, Doctor Strange was the most recognizable. That he was like, the oh new, really? Yeah, absolutely. Because he rode in on the wave of like psychedelia art and stuff, and his comic books were doing artwork that just nobody else can come close to. And that makes sense, because that type of artwork would suit that character very well. The other problem being, like, if you're going to make a TV show out of this, you're not going to have that every week on a 70s TV budget, so I don't know what the plan was. I don't really know how this would have worked as a TV show. Mm, yeah. yeah no, you, could say, you could say the same thing about The Incredible Hulk, and hey, <laughs> apparently yeah. it's, it's ending the episode with him walking down a road with some sad music playing. Well, it seems with him being a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever the fuck he was, uh, the problems would come to him yeah, to solve. And then yeah. that would be sort of the conceit is him solving people's problems every week. Every week, somebody would come in with a new problem and he would fix it. That's obviously the conceit. But yeah. that, then I mean, you're like, at the point he'd where... He'd do it with like magic somehow. The, yeah, but so magic. every week, somebody would come in with a problem that could only be solved with magic. Could, yeah, pretty much. At their state-run hospital, like that seems a little far-fetched, but <laughs> whatever. I mean, again, I maybe it would have been great. We never got to see it, so there's no point in guessing. <laughs> what did you think, Brian? This was the first time for you as well. First right? time watch. I'm probably about on the same page with you. Like it was all right. I'm not like this fucking movie just because I think it's a, a fun uh, sort of pop culture thing. 
but yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would like I, I I would not I don't think I would recommend it to anybody if they asked me unless I knew they were into weird shit like that but you know is what yeah. it is I think I think it holds up more as like a fun like a I don't know like an artifact of 70s television like you know you, you watch it because you want to watch some weird thing from the 70s not because you're looking for something good to watch and then it, it works on that level it doesn't necessarily work on actually being a good or even enjoyable movie now Noah's going to tell us why we're wrong <laughs> I swear I'm not going to yell at you <laughs> bitches no just... <laughs> No, I would say I, I totally get why people would be in the frame of mind as you guys. I think it's perfectly enjoyable, and I kind of like this kind of stuff, so it just it hits all the right buttons for me. I'm not going to say it's, like, the best movie you've ever seen, but I would recommend it to anybody who's a comic book fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, ex- especially since a little bit of comic book movie trivia, Morgan Le Fay is the first Marvel villain to ever actually get translated onto a TV. Other other heroes had been brought over, but they had never actually used an actual comic book before. Well, then, is it the weird thing that she only debuted in the comic books like two months before the TV movie aired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very close. And, and never even fought Doctor Strange till six years after the movie came yeah, out. Yeah, six years later. Her first appearance was in a dream sequence in a Son of Satan comic book. And for those of you who don't know what Son of Satan is, look it up. Those comic books are awesome. <laughs> well, love me some Son of Satan. Okay. Uh, if you do enjoy mustaches, though, this is a pretty fantastic movie to watch. Yeah, if nothing else, just just Google it and look for the mustaches. I'm just saying, mustache and crushed velvet. <laughs> and that the white boy afro that he's got going on, too, is something else. Or I'm like, yeah, the the appearances of the characters is just funny, and that's mostly just a timing issue. But did anybody else notice the, the again terrible names? The Sorcerer Supreme at the beginning of the movie was basically a, St- a Stan Lee stand-in, the big white <laughs> mustache and the white on the side of his head. Like that guy probably doubled as the J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man TV series. Well, the funny thing is, Stan Lee, I don't think had like that gray hair then, but. Depends on. Uh, Sounds like preemptive. Maybe there was yeah. something magical going on. Yeah, exactly. Probably not. <clears throat> Let's look. Let's see if I can Google Stanley, nineteen seventy-eight. Let's see what shows up. It's an excellent use of our time, especially in our listeners' time. <laughs> ah, fuck! All that, all it is, is black and white pictures. This is doing me any good. Oh, I found one. 1978 was not a time when pictures were in black and white. This is a uh, this is a nice one. He does have gray at the temples, it looks like. But yeah, I don't know. Pretty much everything is Stanley Stanley stand-in. Pretty much everything is a Stanley stand-in. That's your official position. I don't know that most things are, but Uh, apparently he worked like pretty heavily on this show or on this movie as well, but. So he, I guess, likes it just as much as he did the uh, Incredible Hulk show. Yeah. But obviously, nothing ever happened with it. 
Well, the Incredible Hulk show seems to have gotten better overall results than uh, than this one. Anyways, uh, I will also say on this podcast, this is not the last we have seen of Peter Hooten. <laughs> or his mustache will rise again. Don't you don't you threaten us? <laughs> but Peter Hooten was in the original, like Inglorious Bastards, and uh, several good things. I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of genre stuff, but. That's fine. He could have been a television star, but this this didn't work out for him. I don't know. Like, I he wasn't the problem. I don't think his acting was bad by television standards from the time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and again, like that's a that's a low bar, and I I don't find it acceptable. I don't think it's like that's not okay, but it's just. I don't know. It is what it is. Exactly. It is what it is. Like if you watch this and you're like start complaining about it, it's like, you know, you got yourself into this. It's a 1978 TV movie called Doctor Strange based on the Marvel comic but made with a TV budget. Like mm. you're you're getting what you deserve when you watch it. Especially if you grew up watching like that horrible live action Spider-Man show. Oh man, I love that Spider-Man show. <laughs> I am not surprised. I've never seen the show. I've only seen the the kickoff movie for it which i did enjoy more than i enjoyed this man that the incredible hulk uh did you guys ever watch manimal no yeah manimal's where it's at i have only the vaguest memories of manimal that early 80s tv man there was something (laughs) weird going on so so they were still on the drugs they were still on them 70s drugs i really feel like somebody just was like what if we made a show the main character just travels town to town and solves people's problems every week and then somebody else was like no the main character should sit still and other people should come to their town every week and then they have to solve the problem okay so good person, those are put, our, those are our two ideas every show will be one of those two things we gotta, <laughs> for 10 we gotta years. put uh we gotta put dr strange in new york city so it'll make sense for why so many yeah. people are coming to him we have to take this master of a cult but don't don't let him do any occulty thingies, because yeah. that's bad. And then, and then we want the Incredible Hulk, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we love the Incredible Hulk." Old Bruce Banner. Don't call him Bruce. Bruce is gay. <laughs> I love that the name Bruce is too gay for these people, but these mustaches aren't. The things were just different back then. Yeah. Oh my god. Such a strange world. So weird. And just so you guys know, I did just buy a two-pack of uh, Trial of the Incredible Hulk. and uh, <laughs> I remember watching those, Trial of the Incredible Hulk and then Death of the Incredible Hulk, watching those on TV when they were new and loving them. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, I don't think I've seen them since they were on TV. They're bad. They're bad, but they're awesome. Oh, I remember that's where I fell in love with Daredevil for the first time. He's the Incredible yeah. Hulk's lawyer for some reason. <laughs> The all black suit, yeah, yeah, which they sort of give homage to. Uh, well, I mean, I guess sort of Frank Miller did, and then they did in the TV show, yeah, from the Frank Miller inspiration. Whatever, you know what I meant. Yes, I, I sadly understood that. Podcasting <laughs> too long, and that somehow made sense to me. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump ahead in 1992. And when Charles Band was like, you know what? I bet we get some of that 
Doctor Strange money from Marvel if we make a Doctor Strange movie. And then it seemed like it was going to happen. And then Marvel was like, no, we changed our mind. So he's like, fuck it. We're still making a movie. And it's called Dr. Mordred. Uh, so our main character, of course, played by Jeffrey Combs, who is super awesome. Uh, just about everything he does. And he essentially is Dr. Strange living, living in New York City. And... Uh, has been tasked with protecting Earth. This is where it gets weird. Because there's like a big plot hole. So it turns out his brother is played by uh, Brian Thompson from our uh, Cobra episode a few weeks back. Yeah. And he, they are both sorcerers. But Brian Thompson has been uh sort of uh, locked up at the, at the at this weird castle that you can only get to by turning into uh, sunshine and flying there. Uh, but apparently he gets out and then uh, recruits a couple uh, punks to be his minions. Um, sleeps and kills one of them. Sleeps and kills sleeps with and kills one of them. Uh, I'll leave that for you to decide if it was the man or the woman. And, uh, yeah, so essentially he's just trying to gain power. Dr. Mordred finds out and, of course, has to have a showdown with him to stop him. And magic hilarity ensues. <laughs> now, the big, the weird thing is, is, like, okay, so they knew he wanted to take over the Earth. So they locked him up in the castle. Yep. And then Dr. Mordred... His idea was, well, I better go to Earth and protect it just in case he ever gets out. Instead of like, well, I'll stay here and make sure he never gets out. No, no, yeah. Well, I I guess I assumed, and I'm, this is me giving the movie credit for something that's like just me adding it myself. Like, I figured he's protecting the Earth in general, and it's mm. also in case he gets out, but somehow or another it's just a, a more of a general protector of the well, earth. you know he doesn't like now that i'm saying it out loud i'm like he doesn't protect anyone in the movie from anything <laughs> except for brian thompson <laughs> so. yeah, it's weird because i swear like in a flashback thing when they showed like that you know he was defeated and they locked him up he's like well i better go to earth as be its protector just in case he should ever escape and i'm like well you could just stay there and make sure he doesn't escape but, you know, whatever, cool. Just leave this other guy there who gets his eyes, like, uh, burned out burned out of his head. <laughs> uh, okay, but on the other hand, this is a Doctor Strange movie, and Doctor Strange lives in, in New York, so that's where this character has to yeah, live, right? Exactly. And uh, it turns out he lives in one of those apartments where it's like, Oh, yeah, it just looks like a regular apartment on the outside, and then you walk in, and there's like a giant cathedral inside. <laughs> yeah, how's the Opus's apartment? It doesn't even look like a regular apartment outside. It looks like it's just some rich guy's hallway, and then just they didn't even bother to redecorate it, and then just every one of the doors are pretending there's an apartment back there. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't surprise me at all from like a, a full no. movie. Just, it's, what, it's what you expect. I was getting ready to say, that sounds exactly like something Charles Band would do. Yeah. Okay, look, this this whole movie, last week when Noah was telling us that we're going to watch this movie, they're like, okay, so Full Moon Pictures 
wanted to make a Doctor Strange movie. They didn't get the rights. They made one anyway. Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes and I pictured a movie. And this movie is exactly what I thought it was going to be. There's not a. I'm like, okay, so it's Jeffrey Combs as the Doctor, even though I didn't know that going in. I'm like, it's got to be. And it'll be some typical '80s bad guy. It's Brian Thompson, who's a typical '80s bad guy. I'm like, I bet you they have like a connection in the past, and now he's coming back to Earth, and the Doctor has to stop him. I bet you the Doctor has a love interest who's somehow weirdly, coincidentally connected to everything. Um, it's let's see, 1992, yeah. So the cops will get in the way, and they'll like arrest the doctor and not want to release him. You not believe his story. There'll be some awkward moment where he's telling them the truth, but of course they don't believe him. Like it's just, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Like What's I'm going to say, I assume is a good thing. Yeah, it's like I am actually upset with myself for not having seen this movie earlier because it's really fun to watch. It yeah. is like. Like Jeffrey Coombs and Brian Thompson as the as the superhero and super villain in a movie is enough. Like you don't need anything else. But there's scenes like first of all, Jeffrey Coombs is doing the typical Jeffrey Coombs thing where he's like really unnecessarily uh, coy and secretive. Like so he lets people into his like lair where he's got like giant TVs set up to monitor the earth and he's recording them on VHS tapes, which is kind of funny. And he's got like a bird that he's uh friends with i was gonna say got, did you call the uh the raven named edgar allen when you yeah, thought it was I, moving I, I wasn't surprised by it but no i didn't guess it last week so <laughs> good job on them but do you know what I mean? he lets that girl in he's got yeah. hundreds of books she's like are these all on the dark arts and he's like well no not all of them like why are you being secretive like you let her in she's just asking you about the books that you keep in plain sight just tell her what the fucking books are about <laughs> it's so like, weird that those two over there Medieval porn. <laughs> <laughs> At least he would have been yeah. being honest. Especially since she's like a, a what is it? Um, she's she like studies for yeah. the occult and like cult type stuff. Yeah. Well, it's so weird too because he acts all secretive, but then he goes out and gives speeches about occult stuff <laughs> for money because he has to find a way to live. And there's like that weird little plot point where he owns the building that they live in. Mm-hmm. and like nobody seems to know who the owner is and like she figures it out because she finds her rent check in his apartment or whatever and it's like well but that's because he's owned that building for a hundred years yeah <laughs> and there are some great like lines of dialogue where he's like talking he he's basically admitting to being like hundreds of years old he's, she's like i hear a hundred years ago this was a great part of town to live in yes it was i mean i've heard it was and it's jeffrey coombs so he's just doing his Jeffrey Coombs thing and it's awesome because it's so much fun to watch <laughs> yeah yeah I'm pretty much the same I had I had uh, fun watching it and I mean like you said Jeffrey Combs Brian Thompson full moon stuff back when full moon was still making good stuff yes. and then uh, stop motion uh, dinosaur bones fight later oh, on which I was sure. all about they sure do. That is amazing. A lot of the visuals in this movie are really good. Like the stop motion dinosaurs was great. The when they go off to the prison and you see the guy with his burned out eyeballs, like that whole little world they set up for only a few scenes was really cool. With the like, it reminded me a lot of like where the Ghostbusters would put the ghosts, the containment unit. It looked yeah. like that, but for demons. And it's like, but it was like kind of medievally looking as well. And then that guy with his eyes burned out looked cool. 
I, I thought a lot of that stuff worked really well. You know, I, there's a scene where Brian Thompson is putting together a spell. He's got like a cauldron and he's crushing human skulls to add into some ingredients. And I like started to applaud my television when that happened. I'm like, that is fantastic. That is exactly what I want from like a low budget movie is like figure out stuff like that that you can do and just do it. Because you're not going to be able to have these guys flying around and stuff the way they do in the, the modern Marvel movies. But you can do that. You can have them crushing a human skull and pouring it into a cauldron. Uh, what are some of the things you love, Doug? Or uh, Noah? Uh, all of it. That's kind of why I've been quiet. <laughs> this, this is one of those movies that if I start talking about it, I'm just going to go, and then this was awesome, and then this was awesome, and then and then she's naked, and he drains her blood, and it was awesome. All right, well, start, and we'll cut you off when we get sick of it. <laughs> I, do like, I do like the fact that he's, he's, he's stealing things, and it's like a giant pile of diamonds at one point and stuff. And, and then having Jeffrey Combs go, ah, it, as it was foretold. <laughs> it was foretold that a truck was going to get robbed of a bunch of diamonds? That's a weird foretelling. Well, to be fair, they, it's more uh, a higher level foretelling, I think. It's, it needs certain things to put together this potion or whatever to take over the world and he's got to steal all those because at one point he's like it was some sort of radioactive material that was stolen so he doesn't know exactly yep. uh, he's also got his sweet medallion that was custom made that totally is not the eye of Agamotto <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you'd even draw that connection other than the fact that it's clearly that it's almost like if you were buying a Halloween costume to dress up as Doctor Strange, you'd end up being Jeffrey Combs from this movie. <laughs> yeah, also- the costume's labeled like Doctor Mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> one, of my, one of my other favorite things in this movie comes before the movie even starts, and that is in the opening credits. It says, based on original character ideas by Charles Band. Bullshit. Bullshit. Good lord. You're a liar. You were a liar, sir. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating to me that this movie is allowed to exist and that nobody did anything about it. Like, uh, if I was Marvel, I would have sued him. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was back, what, in the early 90s? I think Marvel was about bankrupt at that point. Yeah, so that might have been the didn't. issue. They just let it go. But now they got that Disney money. Yes. I'm sure they're really worried about this movie now. It's really cutting yeah. into their profits. Yeah, as we'll, as we'll talk about soon. <laughs> I've always thought it was odd that this movie is uh, a very underwatched for some reason. Like, whenever I talk to people about it, there's an awful lot of people who've never seen it. I'm, I'm in that category, and I don't know why. Like, at the title I recognized, I had no idea what it was about. And... I used to go rent full moon movies all the time. No, maybe it was, this was a bit early 92. I probably wasn't doing that yet, but you know, I'm surprised I never got back to this one. Cause if somebody had told me like when I was renting every slasher that full moon put out in the nineties, Oh, by the way, there's also, they did a superhero movie once. I probably would have watched it. Well, yeah. And, and I'm just saying like, and even as genre fans, I can't think of a single person that I know that wouldn't hear the phrases. Uh, Jeffrey Combs playing a magician <laughs> yeah. in the world, and they wouldn't go, oh, what's that? What's the name of that? I need to see that. 
like Doug said, just Jeffrey Combs and Brian Thompson. Like that's enough to be like, oh yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a good cast. The the special effects are not the most amazing special effects in the world, but they are upper echelon of full moon special effects. Yeah. They are, yeah, like if you're renting direct-to-DVD movies or direct-to-VHS movies in 1992, these are better effects than you're expecting. Like that dinosaur fight scene looks better than you would think it would. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, you're, you're grading on a, on a bit of a grade, grade here, like where you get, gotta go say, okay, there's good special effects, there's bad special effects, but then there's good and bad for the time, and then there's good and bad for the budget. And this is good for the time and the budget. And I would say, full, as far as Full Moon stuff, I mean, it's got to be top five real easy. It's 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 got to be in the discussion. It's quite good. It's really fun to watch. It's I mean, there are no original ideas in it. It is just a Doctor Strange movie. But so what? Um, and it's, it's hard to... It's, I don't have a lot negative to say about it. I mean, yeah, like the outfits are all weird because it's 1992 and... You know, what are you going to do? Like, when the girl's trying to look hot, so she puts on her jeans and her matching jean shirt that is the exact same color of denim. <laughs> that, that's a bit strange, but that's what people were doing at the time. That's not you the show off that 80s long butt. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian Thompson's got a pretty nice mullet he's sporting in this movie, too. Yeah, that mullet is something else. It reminded me of uh, Van Damme and Hard Target. That's how bad it is. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so overall, I'd say I'm a big fan of this movie. Yeah, like, I could, I can envision, envision myself watching this one, like, multiple times, you know, whenever I'm in the mood for a, a low-budget superhero movie. Mm-hmm. So. This is one of those ones that I don't, I don't actually own it, and I bet I've rented it 20 or 30 times, so I probably should buy it. I think I'll be trying to pick it up at some point if I find it at a decent price. Does anybody know if there's a a Blu-ray release? Do you want to put in your standard Shout Factory commercial here, Brian? Or uh, not Shout Factory because I know okay. Full Moon would not license it out. Uh, let's see, Doctor Mordred. Uh, there is a Blu-ray release. Yeah, sixteen bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. The next time I'm in the mood to watch this, I might have to just go right ahead and order that, even though it's free on YouTube. Uh, don't know if it's got any extra features on it, but it doesn't need anything extra, though. <laughs> like what? Like what are they going to do? Interview Brian Thompson and ask him, like, what was it like to have your hair dyed that blonde? Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I will say that Brian Thompson is pulling off his best uh, Brian Bosworth impression for most of this movie. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. <fantastic. laughs> And they have him dressed up in those like weird outfits, and he just plays it dead serious the whole time, which is great. Yeah, it's exactly what the movie needed him to do, right? Of course. In retrospect, I think his look might have been based on the what was the bad guy's name from Superman Four? Do you think they stole his look um, for this? Nuclear Man. I I think that they dressed kind of the same and had the same weird, oddly yellow hair. Yeah. It's pretty close. Not that I would ever accuse Full Moon of ripping off. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't rip off a Superman movie in the middle of their Marvel ripoff. They wouldn't cross the streams like that. Rip off DC and Marvel in the same movie. 
It's fascinating in the fact that somehow they blend together an ability to both just completely blatantly rip off anything they want to rip off and at the same time make a bunch of movies that are some of the most original damn things on the planet <laughs> for good or bad like at least they're doing different shit sometimes well even this movie in 1992 nobody else was going to make a Doctor Strange movie mm-hmm. like there wasn't going to be a big budget Doctor Strange movie in 1992 not like just like the way that they were following up on like Batman and stuff like this wasn't going to happen and so Full Moon is like yeah we'll do the weird you know magical superhero guy that fights other weird magicians that make potions out of skulls and stuff we can be those guys and get on them yeah I am a little sad with uh, Full Moon's propensity to really really juice those juice those sequels out of something just get the last drop of sequel out of anything they make in this uh, one, no sequels. Well, this the story didn't lend itself easily to a sequel the way some of their other films did. So that's what I'm, my assumption is that the only reason there's a pump, Puppet Master Ten is because it just flowed naturally storyline wise. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yes, the perfect continuity of the Puppet Master series. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So I've heard the new uh, Puppet Master reboot is actually pretty decent. Really? Yeah. As soon as there's a demonic toys reboot, we can put them together for a show. (laughs) Yeah, the new reboot apparently has Udo Kier in it. Oh, it's got Udo. I'm sold. (laughs) And trying to think, I think this might have been, hold on. How the fuck did they afford Udo? Well, I don't think it's a full moon movie. Ah. Let's see. Puppet, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, it's called. Which is the greatest title to a movie ever. <laughs> and Tom Lennon is also in it. If anybody needs their Tom Lennon fix. Um, I think it's one of those they sort of like sold off the remake rights for it. But rather than just do a full-on remake they do a uh, they're just doing a straight up like reboot so i guess they're acknowledging that the events in the first movie happened and then um these people gather at the hotel to have some sort of like almost like commemoration of the events of the first movie where these people got slaughtered by puppets and for some reason, Nazi puppets come to life. That makes sense. Um, I don't see Udo, any with that. Udo Kier is playing Andre Toulon, by the way. So, Okay. I'll tell you what. Andre Toulon been played by some good people over the years. <laughs> going to give it to him. And, uh, oh, Barbara Crampton's also in this. So, Yeah, I don't know. I've heard on another podcast somebody who saw it at a film festival said they really enjoyed it so i don't know we'll see because i pretty much written off the puppet master movies after the 10th one where they once again fight nazis well i mean i got frustrated and then it was sort of like well we're gonna we're gonna bring them back to their original glory and have them fight Nazis again during World War II. Like, well, that doesn't make much sense, but I'll give it a watch. 
and it was fucking terrible. And I'm just like, oh, it makes me sad. So yeah, are we still talking about Doctor Mordred? Or well, I was gonna say, come on, Full Moon, get get do a Doctor Mordred sequel like nowadays. You can't you can't talk about Full Moon without going on tangents and all their other films. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. and I'm curious how uh, Charles Band's uh, stage show works nowadays with everybody not wanting to uh, be super sexist and. Uh, Get accused, get accused of taking advantage of people, where he would make girls come up on stage and flash their boobs to the audience. I suspect they just still do it. <laughs> Probably. I'm assuming he does it. They just do it uh, in a very consenting way now, and he's like, "Before I fire anyone up." All right. Does anybody else got anything else before we move on? Uh, Dr. Mordred's awesome. You should watch it. Yeah, like, Dr. Mordred is surprisingly good if you're interested in low-budget superhero films. And it's... I mean, it, it, it's way more of a Dr. Strange movie than Dr. Strange from 78 is. It's, <laughs> it's much closer to the modern Marvel films. It's just a precursor back made before superheroes got, you know, $100 million budgets. <laughs> that much is true. It's got Jeffrey Combs in it. Brian Thompson. I don't think we can say that enough times. It's got Jeffrey Combs in it and Brian Thompson. That was probably enough times. I think we also need to say one more time. Dinosaur skeleton fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, I guess we should say uh, Wooly Mammoth and... Looks like Tyrannosaurus Rex fight. Yeah, so Wooly Mammoth is not technically a dinosaur. Yeah. Still, skeleton fight, and it was pretty awesome. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So anybody watch anything since last week? Noah, anything? Uh, yeah, I watched a few things. So, <laughs> so we were watching full moon movies, so I was like, Oh, Jesus. Probably need to watch some more full moon movies. Oh, God. If we have to hear a list of every full moon movie ever made, we should probably all, like, get a night's sleep in first. No, I uh, only Poor two. Char. Only two. I watched the first subspecies and the first Puppet Master. Okay. I was going to watch more. I didn't have time. Uh, mostly because I started watching Black Lightning because it's on Netflix now. Oh, nice. And man, that's really good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a little behind though, so I got a bunch of episodes of my DVR I need to uh, take care of. I don't know. I don't know how big of a fan I am of Black Lightning costume. Yeah, weird looking. He looks like a like a shitty billboard, like for a soda of some kind, <laughs> like Black Lightning soda. 
That's not a good name for a soda. I haven't seen the show yet, so I don't know if it's a good name for a superhero, but I know it's not a good name for a soda. Yeah. And then besides that, I think my only my only like weird nerd complaint is that uh Tobias Whale isn't mm-hmm. fat. Like in the comic books, that's why his name is Tobias Whale. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty clear he should be fat in that movie. Yeah. Huh. Now I don't know if I'm ever going to watch that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still enjoying it. No, it's re- it's really good. I like everything about it. I like all the, the actors and the actresses. I thought it's weird that apparently it is connected to the rest of the uh, Marvel or the sorry the Marvel universe the the DCU, even though they said it wasn't. I find that strange. Uh, how do you uh, how do you say that? Because there's an episode where uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't started watching it yet, where the younger daughter finds out about uh, the dad and them having powers, mm-hmm. and she's talking to the mom, and the mom's and she goes, "Are you here to tell me secrets too?" And she goes, "What kind of secrets would I have?" And she goes, "I don't know. Are you going to tell me your vixen?" which Vixens appeared in the League of Legends, and she says, no, and I'm not Supergirl either. Mm. Which, I mean, that's two name drops from people from other shows, so. But it could just be that those comics exist in this universe. Could be. Although they seemed to act like they were actual persons. Mm. I don't know. Apparently he's not going to be involved in any of the crossovers, which I'm kind of disappointed with. I think they just did that to leave the door open for the future. Yeah. Yeah, if he gets popular enough, they'll find a way to edit him into the other shows. Yeah. Didn't they bring in, like, Constantine when he wasn't even originally on the same network? So, like, he's from another channel? Yeah, I think the big thing is the... uh... They don't want to be camp because it's so racially charged. Well, also, I think it's a different production company. That does the other ones so i i don't know i don't know it's complicated i don't know why that they just don't go look all of our shows take place in the same universe they may crossover they may not just deal with it don't some of the crossovers involve jumping dimensions and stuff too though well yeah. they have to because supergirl technically takes place in a different okay universe because she was on CBS. Doug just dropped out. Did you, Doug? Oh, that son of a bitch. Give him a second. Give him a second to come back. <clears throat> there he is. There he is. Maybe. Are you back? I'm back. That was what weird. Say, so what happened? No, we were all fine. You're the only one who left. Oh. I'm sure through the magic of editing you'll take care of this and no one will be any of the wiser. Mm, sure. Sure, that's what'll happen. Um, <laughs> is that all you watch, Doug? Or Noah? Yeah, I think so. Did you watch anything, Doug? Uh, a few things. Uh, so inspired by last week's show, I watched Death Race 2050. Yeah. Uh, nice. It was super fun. It's the exact same movie as Death Rates in 2000. <laughs> it's, pretty like, 
it's the exact same movie, but they hate America a little more now. Especially maybe they hate Trump a lot. <laughs> so they decided to try to make Malcolm McDowell into Trump, which is kind of funny. But it's yeah, it's it's, it's over the top how much they have a distaste for the way America has changed. And I mean, the uh, yeah. was it is it Tammy the terrorist who's wearing all the red, white, and blue stuff and like actually <laughs> actually yeah. bombs the audience like that's. Okay, point taken, but whatever. It was so fun to watch. Like you, you can choose to enjoy that stuff, or you can choose to ignore that stuff and just watch the cars drive around. I love that they kept doing the homage to the original, where they used the cars driving slow and then sped them up. I'm sure it's done digitally now, but it looked the same as the old movie, and I thought that was really funny. Nice. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched. It. I watched it when it first came out. Yeah. But... It was like the day after we recorded last time, and it showed up on Netflix. I'm like, oh well. How do I? How do I not? Like, like I said, I'm so amazed by how many people like talk about how much they hate it, and I could totally understand hating it if you didn't like Death Race 2000. But if you didn't like Death Race 2000, why the fuck are you watching Death Race 2050? Yeah, I mean they, they are so much the same movie that it's almost like they were trying to do a remake, and they were like, "What if we just change the year?" And just say it's in the uh, it's it's in the same universe. It's like okay, and that's and so again. Yeah, I don't know how you can like one and not the other. I can completely understand disliking both and just saying, hey, that's not the type of movie I want to watch. But I can't understand liking one and not the other. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had a lot of fun with it, and I, I don't know. I hope other people do too, because again, I guess too, if your political leanings are a certain way, you might feel like it's attacking you, and uh, well, it is. So, like, I don't know what to tell you on that. But, but I also it's, think it's politically attacking everybody. Yeah, but it's certain, certain people worse. But it's not exactly friendly to liberal-minded people either. I agree with that, but it's not like it's a 60-40 split, like 60% of the time we're attacking your air quote conservatives. Um, it's like 90-10. So <laughs> I can see I can see people being upset by it, but I can't under, I don't think most people who lean that way politically would be watching that type of movie anyway. That's just my guess. I could be way off. Are you saying it's not a big hit with evangelical Christians? Yeah, like evangelical Christians and like you know country music fans and stuff. I don't think this movie is designed for that audience. That's which is fine. Everyone's entitled to their own thing. I'm trying to be nice here, okay? Stop laughing at me. I'm not good at being nice. You know that. Look at Doug being all nice and Canadian. <laughs> What else did you right. watch? So let's see. I also, based on, despite the fact that Noah recommended it last week, I still started watching Lost in Space. <laughs> um, it's pretty good. It's I'm only like three or four in, but it's it's quite good. It's really melodramatic, which is almost a problem. I think if I did binge watch it, it would get to be too much. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, spreading it out a little bit. It actually most of the drama works most of the like tense situations you believe hey that person might die even though probably they're not gonna and you know I like the robot which is key because you're either gonna like the robot or not like the robot and that's gonna change whether you enjoy the show now you had said you were gonna watch it Brian did you start it at all or? Uh, I have not started it yet oh. alright I mean there's 
it's hard to say too much about it. It's a bunch of people stuck on a planet. There's a there's a robot that they meet there that befriends the kid and mm. so forth. I heard that was one of the things that uh, um that the robot's not originally part of their crew or whatever, which apparently no. some people had a problem with. But well, okay, whatever. yeah. I don't have any love whatsoever for the original. I've never really seen it. I know, mm. like, imagery-wise, I know what it looked like. I know what the robot looked like, and I'm, you know. But overall, like, I, I never saw that show. I don't have a love for that show. I never even watched the, the remake that we briefly discussed last week. Um, so going in blind, and that, that type of stuff obviously doesn't bother me. I can understand people being bothered if it's very different from the original. That's... That's um, I don't. Know. That, that's an individual thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't either. I I've, I know mainly about Lost in Space from the pop culture. Yeah. References, but that's pretty much about it. So I like I never knew how the robot became part of their group. I guess I always just assumed they were traveling with a robot. But mm. I, I I'm so far removed from understanding it that I never realized their last name was Robinson and that it's. Was family Robinson being retold? I didn't pick up on that until I was watching this version. So nice. Uh, yeah, I also finished off Ash vs. Evil Dead season two, mm. which I, I kind of drifted away from and got back to with everyone talking about Ash this week. With, uh, the official announcement that he's done. Ugh. So, uh, so sad. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that because that makes everyone sad, but the end of season two of Ash vs. Evil Dead, when they do the time travel jump back to the 80s, mm-hmm. which means A, they they state in dialogue that everything from Army of Darkness is still canon in this movie, which I thought was great because I, up until now I had heard that movie it technically wasn't, so that made me happy that it was. And the stuff where they go back to the 80s and go back to the original cabin and deal with some of the characters from that time, Mm-hmm. Is really really good. I really had fun with it. It's just, yeah, the the intermingling of you know, modern day Ash with the characters that he's and he's supposed to know what's going on and he doesn't have a clue somehow. <laughs> it's like he should know where everybody is at all times because he's already lived through it once, but he doesn't have a clue. It's very funny. Have you watched it, Noah? Season yeah. Two. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Well, I guess minor spoiler for Ash vs Evil Dead season two, but you should have watched it by now. Um, so like you said, they go back in time to the original cabin and then, uh, they actually got Ted Raimi to play, uh, Henrietta again. Yeah. <laughs> and I read somewhere that, uh, they were on set and Ted's all dressed up in his Henrietta, you know, fat suit and Bruce's, you know, in his ash garb. And he said, <laughs> supposedly Bruce said to Ted, like 30 years later, Ted, Look how far we've come. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's <laughs> so good. But I loved it because it's like they've got Bruce in the original outfit. He's got the chainsaw going. And at one point, like, there's, like, if we're, if we're in spoiler territory anyway, like, the hand makes an appearance where it has to be cut off again. And <laughs> it does the, it flips him off. And it's like, I'm. It just made me. It just. I love Evil Dead too. I love the fact that they're going back to it. I think it was handled with respect by the nature mm-hmm. of the show. Like, so yeah. I, I had a great time with it. It's almost a perfect ending to the series. 
Uh, I'm curious to see how season three goes. I'm going to wait for it to come on Netflix so that I don't yeah. run out of Ash too quickly. <laughs> but yeah, season, season three has been okay. Um, like, I've enjoyed it. I'm just kind of bummed that that's, this is where we're going to end it. Uh, as we're talking, I think the season finale or the series finale is airing. Yeah. So when at I get off here, I'll be running upstairs to watch the last episode. At least they announced it in advance. So hopefully they can write that in script wise and stuff. And do yeah, something. I don't know. If nothing else, at least there's hopefully no cliffhangers that just don't get answered and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wish that they would have at least like, well, let's. What if we give them like a two-hour movie to wrap everything up? Yeah, I'd have been happy with that. Nice, but I don't know. And then, of course, Bruce has pretty much stated that he's retiring as Ash. Yeah. So, even oh, if someone I've... else wanted to pick it up, like it's pretty much just done. Yeah, because I'm one of the thousands of people who was like hashtagging netflix in my posts about it saying like come on guys this is this is your cue right now you just this is what you guys do yeah especially since i feel like they because um, netflix has picked it up of course uh, to run the, the whole series to run on their platform and like tons of people i know like oh i can finally watch it i haven't i've never seen it yet yeah like, oh, i wonder if the numbers would be good enough that netflix would be like yeah we'll pick you up for for at least one yeah. more season. But. That's what I was hoping for. Because, um, you know, I mean, Netflix, I don't really understand the business model and all the numbers behind it. But, I mean, if they can make Arrested Development and they can write Trailer Park Boys and all these other kind of niche shows and they seem to be willing to put the money into that, why not this one? But mm-hmm. I guess it's not going to happen. Bummer. Yeah. And the other sad news this week came that uh, the... The television pilot for the Tremors TV series with Kevin Bacon is not getting picked up anywhere. Yeah, I didn't even read the details behind that. Sir, did was the argument that it's just not good, or something else go wrong? Oh, I, I have no idea. All I've heard is what Kevin Bacon said on Twitter, which was that unfortunately it did not get picked up, so it's not moving forward. Hopefully, we'll get to see at least what they did. Like what they yeah. made. Yeah. There'd be another one Netflix could just pick up and run with. Yeah. I'm putting a lot of pressure on Netflix here. So <laughs> I don't care. What they do. <laughs> Anything else? Or is that it? Um, well, okay. I got a question for you guys because a new Super Troopers movie came out. Ugh. So I've been around Noah too long. So, of course, I had to watch all the Super Troopers movies, right? I watched the original and then went and saw the new one in theaters. The new one is entirely, the whole plot is that they are, the States is annexing part of Canada and the crew from the original comes up and they're going to, they're trying to set up shop in the new town that's been in Canada and they're trying to Americanize it. So it's basically just one giant Canada joke. Do you, American audiences want that? Like how the hell does that get made? Because I understand why Canadians would want to go see that movie it's a lot of jokes about hockey and stuff did either of you guys see it or do you know anyone who saw it do you understand why it would get made at all um i fucking hate super troopers so i had no interest in seeing this movie whatsoever well, you're just flat out wrong but that's uh, I, have, I have not been able to see it it's so weird to me that they made this whole movie that is just a bunch of canada jokes and i'm like that's like that's great like 
I enjoy Canada jokes because I'm Canadian. I, you know, especially because we're bombarded up here with so much American media. Somebody's gonna take a, a whole movie and just dedicate it to like Rob Lowe talking a funny accent and stuff like that. You know, great, funny stuff, but I just don't understand how it appeals to an American audience. And apparently, it did, you know, well by low budget comedy standards. So I, I, I just don't know who in the States is going to see that movie. It seems like it's a very specific market. I was hoping you guys could explain it to me, but apparently not. So I can't. I don't understand the love for the first one. We got into an argument on Drunken Zombie once because I flat out said that the Broken Lizard uh, Dukes of Hazard movie was better than Super Troopers. I have to disagree with you on that. I don't even hate the Dukes of Hazard movie. I haven't seen it in a while. But... <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Fuck those guys. But you just said you like one of their movies. I know, but still, they made Super Troopers, and I fucking hate it. Well, I don't know. That's just that's just odd. Super Troopers is really really funny. Yeah, it's mm. it seems like it's the kind of humor that'd be right up your alley too. Because no, I don't, I don't have to tell you. I watched both of them in the same weekend. <laughs> For me, that was a pretty good weekend. Uh, and then you're gonna talk about your Spider-Man Two rewatch? Oh yeah, I watched Spider-Man Two. <laughs> Apparently, I follow you way too closely on Instagram. <laughs> Apparently. Well, you follow the Midnight Drive-In on Instagram, of course. Yeah. That's why I've been posting my movie stuff there. Um, yeah. Uh, it's actually the same story as why I watched the first Streamy Spider-Man. <laughs> the same kid came over and was like, is there more Spider-Man? I'm like, yes, there is. So, But after yeah. this one, no, there is not. <laughs> it's, it's like, want to see Homecoming? Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have to say... Spider-Man 2 holds up really well. Um, even the effects, like I was just watching it on DVD, so it's not even Blu-ray quality. The effects are quite good. They are, the CGI is noticeable, but it's from whatever, 2004 or 6? I don't know. You would, ex- like, you would expect the CGI to be a lot worse than it is. And yeah, all the Peter Parker storyline in that is quite fun to watch. It's like a really interesting development of the character. Um, kind of follows the trope of loses his powers and gets it back, but handled in a way that it suited everything that was going on. Yeah, it's really... The ending is especially is quite hokey, but that's the type of movie it is. If you enjoy it, then you enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I, liked, I liked re-watching it a lot. Again, I, I think I said this when I watched the first one, it's just it's nice to watch a superhero movie once in a while that isn't part of something bigger that's just a standalone story about here's a bad guy here's a good guy they have to fight there's some personal drama going on everything looks like it does in the comics or i think i figured out why this particular version of spider-man is like the one i like and it's because it really feels like the 60s cartoon spider-man grew up and became the sam raimi version of spider-man that's it feels like that's the same character whereas every other incarnation has felt a little different. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different. Yeah. I mean, he always said that that was, he he was a huge Spider-Man fan. So that's all the stuff he was pulling from, which is why, of course, he did not want to do Venom, but they made him, and that's why it turned out terrible. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, a lot of that is just, like, I think about Homecoming, which was a great movie. I enjoyed it a lot. It really bugs me that they live in this little apartment because I want them to live in that house that I have in my head, that that's where Peter Parker and may live. Mm-hmm. And I have that house in my head because it was the old comics and the old cartoons and stuff that showed me that house. It doesn't really matter, but I enjoy seeing that and mm-hmm. reminding me of the stuff I read when I was a kid. So, you know, that's yeah. putting aside the Andrew Garfield stuff because there's no point in wasting your time discussing that garbage. <laughs> it, it is like there are these two different Spider-Men that exist in like modern filmmaking that are, I think are both good. They're different takes on the character, but they're both um, really, really solid interpretations. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, is that it? Uh, that is it. You're no, well, I don't know. Have you checked the Instagram feed to see if I missed anything? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> the, the I, I forgot, so. That, that reminded me of one I missed. Okay. Because okay. my pregame for uh, Infinity War was Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, that oh, makes sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of, course it, of course it doesn't, my weird world. Uh, guess what? It's awesome. I don't care what anybody fucking says. That is a good movie. It's, it's bad in so many ways, but if that movie, that, that script was taken and given a Marvel budget and a good director, that's a good fucking movie. I, I See, I've never seen it. I've never seen the whole thing. Probably it the is, most I saw was from the uh, documentary. It is the most direct adaptation I think I've ever seen of a comic book to a movie. Like, it's... It from it starts with Reed and Doom when they were in college and they did an experiment that went wrong and Doom got all scarred up and basically faked his own death so he didn't have to live with people knowing that his face was all messed up and then Reed grows up and Doom sabotages his space flight and they all end up with their powers and such and yeah. Hmm. It reminds me a lot of Darkman kind of yeah dark man's awesome yep. just just in the fact that it doesn't like uh pull any punches with how comic booky it is like there's a a secondary villain that's the jeweler and his henchmen and they all like physically look like comic book villains does that make sense where they all have like exaggerated features and like one guy's face is too long and they're clearly wearing like facial prosthetics to really amp it up yeah. Uh, Doom's costume is the best Doctor Doom costume that's been done in a Fantastic Four movie, which is fucking depressing. (laughs) (laughs) I caught a few minutes, just because it was on TV, of the 2005 version of Fantastic Four with Chris Evans as the Human Torch. And I was just like, as I was watching it, I I have reasonably fond memories of that. And I watched like the five minutes and went, oh, I probably shouldn't have fond memories of this. Like, (laughs) it's... At at the time, it it was serviceable, but I just have so much trouble with... uh, Just that interpretation of the characters is all just so... I don't know, blah. Like, they don't care at all, the people making the movie. They're just just like, oh, what? He's a crazy guy? Okay, put him on a motorcycle. Like, make them all use their powers at the same time, but not in any kind of a clever way. Just... I don't, I don't want to offend you guys if you're big fans. 
No, no, it's it's, no. it's not good. It's it's. I think it's better than people think it is nowadays, but it's not good. Well, I, I've said that about all of the like the Marvel movies that came out sort of pre MCU, which is like the Daredevil movie, the that Punisher movie with Thomas Jane. Like all those movies, they're all okay. They're not as bad as you think they are. It's just they're not as good as anything that's happened since Iron Man. Like Iron Man hit and it changed the way we approached comic book movies entirely. Mm. And so all those movies which were kind of holding back a little too much on being comic book movies and not taking themselves, not recognizing that adults wanted to see comic book movies. And now that's changed. So but that's... The weird part of that is, is people give Kevin uh, Feige so much credit for all that. And I never hear anybody going, you know, John Favreau really invented the modern superhero genre. And he yeah. did. Yeah, no, like, I think Favreau deserves a lot of credit. And, like, I'd even take it back, though, and I'd say, like, those Spider-Man movies that Sam Raimi did, they figured out two things. They figured out one is stay true to the comics. And two is just let a fucking geek be in charge because they know what other geeks want. And yeah, okay, John Favreau and Sam Raimi are, you know, they're grown-ups and they're fantastic filmmakers and everything else, but they're fucking nerds. And therefore, they can make movies that us nerds want to watch. Agreed. And I would I would tell you to watch the uh, Corman Fantastic Four, but I think we should add it to the list. Is there another? Is there another good movie that like never actually got to see a release? We'll have to think about that. I'd be comparing movies that never got released, <laughs> or just like other low-budget superhero stuff. True. Teaming up with the nineteen ninety version of Captain America. Oh yeah! <laughs> my language, Doug. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, someone, you know, I think Noah there uh, brought up Darkman. So I was perusing our list, wondering why Darkman wasn't on our list. Yeah, Darkman. The, uh, the Red Brown Captain America movies. Oh, I've never seen those. Oh, they're so bad. <laughs> See, that's not how to market them to me. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the Fantastic Four I'm genuinely interested in. Darkman I'll watch anytime, so you guys find some out. <laughs> yeah, right now, it's already on the list, but it only has question marks next to it, because we need to figure out what's team up with it. I almost thought uh, The Shadow, like the Alec Baldwin movie. I've never yeah, seen that's, that. that's a good one. Uh, but I thought maybe that might team up better with uh, The Phantom, with Billy Zane. Yes, that yeah. That makes sense because those two were like competition for one another for superhero attention back in the day. Yeah, back when they only made superhero movies about superheroes you'd never heard of. This is this is also very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like there just needs to be an entire separate list of just old, half shitty superhero movies. <laughs> that I can just lovingly look at and just like stroke the computer screen every once in a while and be like, soon. All right. Soon my Brian, brain. did you watch anything this week? Uh, I only watched one movie. 
okay. uh, which is a movie called Ruby. Uh, one of my, it's one of Brian, uh, Brian's blind buys. Okay. Because I just bought it because it was cheap and. That was going to be a segment on the show at one point. We drifted yeah. That. Yeah, I still got a shit ton of them. I just haven't <laughs> had time to sit down and watch some of them. Um, so this one has uh, Piper Laurie in it, who was the mom from uh, the original Carrie. And so it's set up that she is uh, in love with and impregnated by a gangster. Like in the 40s? Okay. Uh, something happens where, I don't know if they're going to, I can't remember if they're going to, it's been like a week and a half because we're recording a little bit later than we usually do to fit in Infinity War. So I can't remember if they're going to run away or whatever, but um, they're at like this lake or something and they're about to jump in a boat, but then like all these other gangsters show up and just sort of shoot him and he falls into the lake and is dead so then we fast forward like 20 years or something uh this lady ruby now owns a uh, drive-in theater and incidentally like all the mobsters that you know helped kill her husband she uh employs them at her drive-in so she's sort of like you know, you, you get caught, you go away to jail. When you get out of jail, you go to Ruby and ask if you could have a job. So she employs a lot of these former gangsters. Um, and then the spirit of her husband seems to uh, decide to come back from the dead to take revenge on the people that killed him. And some of them have happened at the drive-in. So, I don't know. Sounded fun. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because then the spirit ends up possessing her daughter who is a deaf mute. So of course she's not talking or anything, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, the devil voice is coming out of her. Uh, it's all right. It's got some interesting kills in it. Overall, it kind of plots along though. Um, but I'm a sucker for a horror movie that takes place at a drive-in. So I yeah, that does it. sound good. I enjoyed it for that that aspect alone. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say it's a recommend, but it's somewhat enjoyable for the small amount of uh, kills and stuff. One guy gets uh, strung up with uh, f- actual movie film, which is pretty nice. good. He ends up getting hung in the projection booth with it. So... Interesting. If it sounds interesting, I'd say uh, give it a watch. Um, yeah, not great. Not bad. Just sort of in the middle. That's the least committal movie review I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, that's all I watched this week. I feel like I watched something. Oh, we finished Fargo Season 3. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know. I don't want to say too much because you haven't watched it yet. There's nothing like crazy or anything, but you know, it is enjoyable. Just, I feel just about as good as the first two seasons. So I'm enjoying the show and supposedly we're not going to get a season four until 2019. So that kind of bums me out, but at least I feel like they're not rushing anything. 
which is good. So I know it'll probably end up being hopefully just as good as the first three seasons. Well, I, uh, yeah, I look forward to getting to season three and then hope if they keep up the quality, they can keep doing the show forever because by recasting every year and by changing the time frame and the setting and whatever else, mm-hmm. there's really endless opportunities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially since, uh, the name Fargo doesn't even lock it into like the actual town of Fargo. No, they don't do that. It's no. just, it's just it's sort of that area. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's good. Enjoyed it. Can't wait till season four. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, Noah, we let you pick the movies for the second, second week in a row. Um, so you want to tell us what we're going to be talking about next episode? Is it, is it weird that that was a week ago? Now I can't remember what the fuck I said. <laughs> All right. Well, my name's Noah. We're going to be watching <laughs> Hard Ticket to Hawaii at Malibu Express. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a pretty good impression. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like me. Just a little nasally and yelling at the titles of shitty movies. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you, you nailed it. I'll do it again. Rocket launchers and boobs. Well, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Rocket <laughs> launchers and boobs. <laughs> yeah, but you make it sound better than it's going to be. I just know it. Maybe. I don't. I don't disagree with Doug on that. But I mean, again, rocket launchers and boobs sets the bar pretty low for for going in. So hopefully. <laughs> Anything outside of rocket launchers and boobs will be halfway decent. It seems like if you were a teenager, did you ever watch Cinemax in the middle of the night after your parents went to sleep, hoping to see a boob, and you see one of these weird action movies that's basically just an excuse to have scantily clad women run around and show their boobs every once in a while? When I was a teenager, do you mean like last week? Yes. <laughs> If you did that, then you know exactly what you're getting into. I just feel like you're describing like the best remake of Wizard of Oz ever. It's just going to be rocket launchers and boobs. Oh, my. Rocket launchers and boobs. Oh, my. In Hard Ticket to Hawaii, the chick, I do believe she is like a park ranger of some kind, and she carries nunchucks. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, we're going to get to see some nunchuckery. It's going to be great. I didn't say that. Oh, <laughs> now I'm sad. Stop ruining everybody's life, Noah. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.